during the January term of my middle year at Columbia Seminary in Atlanta, five other classmates, two professors and myself, traveled from Atlanta, Georgia to Belfast, Northern Ireland, to learn about and experience the work of the Corimila community. Corimila is Northern Ireland's oldest peace and reconciliation organization. The group began its work before the Troubles, which is how they describe the almost 30-year guerrilla war that took place between the Protestants and the Catholics. The term Corimila comes from a neighboring town called Corimila in the parish of Colfatrin. Colfatrin means in Irish the corner of the stranger. Corimila means the lumpy crossing place. Perhaps, perhaps breaking the Corimila community down in this way is helpful for us. Because you see, Corimila is a place where differing groups, strangers to each other, are offered the opportunity to cross over into a new space. And that crossing is lumpy. It is not easy. It is full of pitfalls. Corimila has a staff, a full-time staff of 40 people and thousands of volunteers who travel from all over the world to work alongside the 11,000 people who spend time at Corimila every year. The center, they call it the Cray, is located in Ballycastle, which is about an hour north of Belfast on the northern shore. So if you're sitting at the Cray and you had binoculars or a really strong telescope, you could see Scotland. From its first days, Corimila has been a place of gathering, a place of work, a place of faith, a place of discussion, bringing people of different backgrounds, different political and religious beliefs, and different identities together to do their part to heal the social, religious, and political divisions that exist in Northern Ireland and throughout the world. During the height of the Troubles, members from the Corimila community would drive to Belfast in unmarked vans to pick up teenagers from both Catholic and Protestant neighborhoods. They didn't just pick up random kids. That would be creepy. (laughs) They picked up people who identified to their parish priests or to community leaders that this was something they were interested in. But this was a dangerous admission. It wasn't something that you could walk around talking about freely on the streets of Belfast where the sidewalks are painted in the colors of your heritage so you could clearly identify which were the Catholic parts of Belfast and which were the Protestant parts of Belfast. The divisions were deep. The hate was real. So to get into these unmarked vans to travel an hour north to Ballycastle was a dangerous thing for the young people and for the drivers of the vehicles. So they would gather together at Ballycastle to do the work of reconciliation. They rooted this work in relationship. Their first and foremost task was to get to know one another, to really get to know one another, not just as Catholics or Protestants, 
But as individuals, as fellow teenagers, what were the hopes they shared? What were the things that they all feared? What were the stories that shaped their life? Which of their family members had they lost in the troubles? The work was hard. There were days when they had to literally throw the kids back into the vans and drive them back to Belfast because the tension was too high, because something traumatic had happened just a few days before and the kids couldn't process it, because those who were gathered could not see past the boundaries of their lives. They could not see past those sidewalks that were so clearly painted who told them who they were and where they belonged. But there were days, there were times, there were moments when these strangers did the hard work of going through those lumpy places, when they could truly look into each other's eyes and see the possibility of peace, see the relationships that they shared. There were moments when they were willing to cross over into a new place of peace. The Apostle Paul knew a thing or two about those fleeting moments, those fickle instants where a group can be either ready to take the important next steps or pull each other's hair out. In today's reading from, the second, from second Corinthians, we find Paul a little put out with his beloved community in Corinth. This is a church he founded. A community he nurtured. He took great pride in their faithfulness. This was a church that was not perfect. If you go back and read the first letter to the Corinthians, you'll see that it's full of admonishments to greater faithfulness. But through that whole letter, you'll see that his admonishments are offered in a spirit of love, in a spirit of trust that together they can come back to the pathways of faithful living. But here in the second letter, things are tense. You see, this letter comes after a series of interactions between Paul and the community in Corinth. Apparently, Paul had come back to Corinth for a visit with his beloved community. And after he left, someone who claimed to be one of Christ's disciples showed up and was questioning Paul's credentials. He was questioning Paul's character and his motives. And this person was selling a brand of discipleship that would lead the Corinthian church away from its values, away from its center, away from its treasured roots of Christ's love. And members of the Corinthian community were being swayed. Hearing about this, Paul wrote a letter of tears, which we hear about. If you go back in chapter 2, you'll see that there's another letter out there that's not included in our biblical canon. But scholars tell us that a letter of tears is sort of like an angry email where you fire off to a coworker or someone, I can't believe you did this. Send. I can't believe you planted that tree in your yard. Send. It's all of the thoughts and feelings of how you, the writer, have been betrayed by the receiver of the letter. It's a rant. And that's how it was received. 
it did have its desired effect. The church did end up rebuking the false prophet who had entered their midst and sending him away, but there was still much pain in the community. There was distrust among those who gathered in that community. They didn't know where to look for leadership. There was distrust between the community and Paul because of this letter of tears that apparently lit them up. And they didn't know what to do with that. Basically, things are a mess. And a new start is needed to this relationship together. There were some who were saying they needed to go back to the laws and strictly follow the laws of their faith. But Paul's conviction is that a new start does not begin with a renewed application of law, no matter how good that law might be. Paul's belief, based in the life of Christ, is that a new start will only come from the radical forgiveness of God's love in Jesus Christ that leads people to work towards reconciliation. Forgiveness comes first because God's love comes first. Reconciliation is the work we do in response to the forgiveness that freely flows in our direction. This is where we find ourselves as we enter in to the second letter to the church in Corinth, the fifth chapter, verses 16 through 21, which you can find on page 181 if you would choose to read along. Let us listen to God's word speaking to us As Paul spoke to this important context, trusting that that word still speaks to us today. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we no longer know him in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to God's very self through Christ, and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to God's very self, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making the divine appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. <laughs> 